Welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. As a community of faith, we are passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus. The message for this week is from our current verse-by-verse study from the book of James. In each message, we will see some practical truths for living God's way in situations and circumstances that are often out of our control. As always, we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service sometime here soon in Vancouver. You can find directions, more info, and more sermons on our website at citybaptist.ca. James chapter number one this morning, and I'm glad you're here. If it's your first time with us, thanks for being a part of City Baptist. We're really honored that you choose to worship with us today, and I uh, hope that the, you'll be blessed through the singing and also as well our time uh, in the Word of God here for just a few minutes. We're in James chapter one. It's a series that we've been in for uh, a few weeks, not because uh, we've been preaching a lot from it, but because we've had a lot of interruptions in the middle, and uh, so now we're getting back to it in our fourth sermon uh, through our verse-by-verse study. Uh, through the book of James. I want to take just a minute uh, before we get uh, started here today and just uh, recognize a couple of guests that we have with us. We have uh, Pastor David Harness with us from uh, Victory Baptist Church in Sherwood Park, Alberta. He's in the back there and let's just say hi. Let me turn around and say hi. There you go. All right, that works. There he is. (laughs) Yeah, you can clap for him. He told me he came for claps today, so thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. I'm joking. No, it's always great to have another pastor here, and uh, he's been serving the Lord there with his dad, so he and I have a lot of similar stories. Uh, His dad is pastoring for, what, 36 years, or even more than that, was? Whoa, 40. Okay, 40 years, and he's, how many years in are you now? One and a half years as the pastor. Can you imagine? That'd be challenging, huh? And, uh, and so we need to pray for him, but we're glad he's here. And then Tony's with us as well, and uh, he's from the UK originally. If you talk to him, you'll figure that out pretty quick, uh, but he also lives in Edmonton. And they were out helping us with the camp work project the last couple of weeks, and it been a huge blessing. Um, not only uh, is uh, uh, David a, a pastor, but he's also a master electrician. How do you like that? I'd love to be called master of anything, right? He's a master electrician, and uh, he really helped us out of the camp uh, to keep us all from burning ourselves or electrocuting ourselves. Actually, more, more likely electrocuting if I get at it, but uh, we're glad that they're here, and uh, they're headed up to a conference tomorrow, but uh, chose to worship with us this morning. We're thankful. We're glad you guys are here. All right, James chapter number one is where we're going to be today. We'll start in verse number 19 in just a moment. Uh, It's been a couple of weeks, and so I just want to remind you where we're at. Of course, the book of James was written by the brother of Jesus Christ. If you can imagine, someone who grew up with Jesus is the one writing to us. Now, he wasn't a believer at first. If you remember, he actually rejected it. Many of his family did not believe the claims that Jesus had made. But ultimately, uh, I believe culminating around the resurrection, he's finally like, okay, my brother was the real deal. Now, none of us ever want to believe our brothers, do we? Uh, But James finally came to that point where he was like, all right, this is uh, my brother, and I got to believe what he said. He is the son of God, and he's risen. And so James uh, very quickly became a, a part of the leadership there in the church of Jerusalem, and in fact, eventually became the pastor there of the church. Now, the church in Jerusalem went through a lot of persecution, didn't it? There was a lot of trials that came their, came their way, and it saw ex- a huge explosion of growth, but with that came a lot of uh, persecution, and so the church was scattered abroad. And so about 50 years or so after uh, Jesus Christ was resurrected, James, his brother, wrote this letter to the uh, Jews that were dispersed all around the known world at that time, and he wrote to them some very, very intensely practical truths to help them as they're just sort of learning what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what I love so much about this book is that it is intensely practical. And so, so far in our studies, uh, we've seen James teach us about uh, seeking the wisdom of God in all aspects of our life. We've got to seek God 
for all areas of our life. As well, he challenged us about the instability of being double-minded. Don't you love that illustration, double-minded, right? And, and listen, you're very unstable as a person if you're double-minded in the way that you approach life. If it's, you're approaching it from a worldly mindset or from a Christian mindset, that's a very unstable way to live your life. And so he challenged us with that as well. We looked at um, uh, how uh, we need to uh, continually uh, endure temptations both from within and from without. We took a whole Sunday just talking about dealing with temptations from within and temptations from without and how we need the Lord's help to resist those, don't we? Isn't it amazing how temptation just pops up in your life and you're like, where did that come from, right? And it's our, it's our sinful souls. It's our hearts that are wicked and desperately wicked and dece- uh, deceptive even to our own hearts. And so James has talked about that so far just in these first three verses, um, but now he's He's transitioning a little bit, and he's going to make the emphasis uh, on the application of the Word of God. Now, interestingly, when he talks about all of those different subjects so far, he always gives us the answer, and the answer is always the Word of God, right? And, and I get it. When we're in church, you know, how many times do you come to church, and, and like, I know what he's going to say today. He's going to say, the answer is the Word of God, right? <laughs> and, and I know we hear that all the time, but it's true, and that's why we need to hear it all the time, right? That the answers that we need are found in the Word of God to face temptation, to resist all of those uh, aspects that he brought up. You need the Word of God. But now he moves into a situation that, to me, uh, becomes a little bit difficult, and I look a little uncomfortable because it's uncomfortable for me, too, as well today. It really is. Because what James is about to talk about here is how he moves to the, the, the nitty-gritty, if you want to call it that, the soul-challenging difficulty that we all face of taking what the Word of God says then and making it a reality in our lives. Now, that's a hard thing for us as believers, isn't it? Because we love to come to church and hear about the Word of God, don't we? But it's a whole other matter to take the Word of God and actually live out as children of God outside of this little tiny tap dance studio. It's difficult, isn't it? And that's what James is going to challenge us with here. He's going to say, listen, it's great that you know about the word, but now it's time for us to actually put it in practice. So in verse number 19 of where we're going to be today, and point number one this morning, I've just got two thoughts today. I believe will be very simple. And guess what? When I say these points to you, you're going to be like, yeah, I could have made that up. And yeah, you probably could have. It's very simple. All right. I, I, I wish I was super creative with my points, but I'm not. All right. So number one today, just listen to the word. Listen to the word. That makes it that's pretty, pretty simple, right? Listen to the word. So James says this in verse number 19. He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man and woman be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. That's a really cool phrase. <laughs> and receive with, what's that word? Say it meekness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. If you underline uh, in your Bible, underline that whole section there where it says receive with meekness the engrafted word. Double underline that word engrafted. So receive with weakness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, James here, in this first little section, he calls the word of God the engrafted word. I love that. What it means is that he's talking about an embedded word. Obviously, you you think of the idea of someone grafting a tree branch into a tree uh, to either repair it or try to cross-breed different kinds of apples. They they, they do all of these weird things. You probably don't even know about that. Like, how else do you get a, a, what's that, what's that, grapple? How do you get a, I don't know how you do it. Somebody did it somehow. It's kind of witchcraft, I think, but uh, don't eat those things. Um, but um, 
It's the idea of, of, of it being embedded in. And so what he's saying here is that the word of God as Christians, as believers, needs to be embedded uh, in our hearts. As true disciples, it is something that we carry with us. In fact, it is something that grows out of us. Do you see that there? He says we are to have the engrafted word that's a, so much a part of our life that it grows out of us. Now, the idea here of agricultural connections is all throughout the Bible. And I was thinking about Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 1 where it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So we should just preach a whole message on this verse right here about our friendships, right? And then the people that we surround ourselves with. Okay? In Bible college, you know, uh, we're, everyone's super spiritual in Bible college. I'm just kidding, right? But one of the phrases they would use is to be like, man, I'm not going to hang out with that guy. He's a scorner. And we'd you know, use this verse and, uh, because we're real biblical. But listen, there's people in your lives like that, aren't there? Man, they're so critical. They're, they're, they're sinful. They're deceitful. We should not be surrounding those people. But look at verse number two. This is how, this is how it should be. But his delight, okay, blessed, the blessed person's delight uh, is in the law of the Lord, Amen. the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Then look what happens. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. See, we need to be people that engraft the word of God into our lives and then we'll receive and see that fruitfulness like a tree that's by a river of water. It's not gonna run out of resources. Do you see that? It's not going to run out of strength that it needs to grow and to flourish and produce the fruit of the Spirit. And so as Christians, we've got to have that word engrafted into us so that we'll flourish and that we'll grow. And so he brings that up here right in this first section. He says, you've got to be people who are implementing and implanting the word of God into your lives. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? It's easier said than done. Even today, I was thinking about it, with access to Scripture like we've never had before in history. I mean, uh, uh, you can pull up your Bible. I mean, on my, on my smartwatch, I, I can get a verse a day sent to me, and I can touch it, and I can scroll, and I can read the Bible, you know. That's a little weird, I know, but you can do that. You can find it anywhere on your phones, on your computer. I mean, it is accessible. You can get it anywhere you want, but yet in a, in a world that the Bible and the Scripture and the truth is so accessible, it's harder than ever for people to implant it into their lives. Why is that? What has to happen? That's why James here tells us to be swift to hear. Swift to hear. If we're to be people who are engrafted in the word, we've got to be swift to hear. Now, we live in a very, very unique society. Like I said, there's great access to the truth, but there's also great access to distractions. And uh, we live in a world that right now, I found it so interesting, the average human, <laughs> which or I'm assuming we're all that today, the average human today has the has a attention span of 8.7 seconds. Yeah, exactly, right? Just like, I was going to wait 8.7 seconds. Help me out here. <laughs> Guess what? It's not very long. Now, that was in 2015. In the year 2000, the average life, um, attention span was 12.7 seconds, I believe is what it was. So here's what we know, though, by understanding that. Today, as humans, according to Time Magazine, we have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> this is how I view you now as goldfish. There's just little bowls everywhere, you know? Think about that. You, you have less, the average. Now, I would, yes, I know, you'd, we would argue about that in some respects. But for many people, our attention spans are just down to nothing. And we wonder, why do we struggle with engrafting the word of God into our lives? Why do we struggle paying attention? 
And, and because of this shortness of attention span and the inability to concentrate in many ways, we have a very difficult time connecting with one another on a relational level. But at the same time, and more importantly, we have, a difficulty, we have difficulty connecting with God. We have difficulty even connecting to the main sources of the Word of God, which is reading the Word of God and hearing the preaching of the Word of God. Now, I'll tell you as a pastor today, and Pastor David could definitely relate to this, um, it's challenging to compete with all of the other distractions that are out there. I can't just create explosions, you know? I can't create a, a murder scene for us all to hover around and be like, well, that's, I know you guys watch shows like that. I, I, can't, I can't create all these wonderful colors and there's no like, you know, 20-second commercial breaks uh, for the businesses that you guys all run, you know? We don't, we don't have all these things. I, I have to stand up here for 40 minutes, sometimes longer, and, uh, and try to keep your attention, do you see what I'm saying? It's a challenge. It's difficult because we have so many distractions. We have so many things that are going on, things that distract us from the reading and listening to the word of God. And so something has to be done, though. Now, I find it so interesting. James is saying this to the early church when they didn't have all of the issues. But he's saying here you need to be quick to listen, meaning you need to have intent when you're listening to the things of God. Now, I understand in the early church, you have to remember most everything was, was transmitted orally. Remember, they would speak. And if you didn't listen and pay attention, you were going to miss out on on a whole lot. You couldn't go back and read it later. We're blessed to do that today. But the same truth is for us, we often hear it, but it just goes away so quickly. And we've got to be swift to hear, meaning be, that's the first thing that we should head towards. When it comes time for church, when it comes time for your personal Bible reading, you need to prepare to worship God and prepare to hear what God has to say. You need to truly listen as you read the word. Uh, I think I've shared this with you before. One of the things that I started doing about a year ago a friend of mine encouraged me with this, is that I listen to the Word of God as I read the Word of God. And so I use my, my phone, and uh, the Version app on there has all of the, the, the you know, uh, Alexander Scorby or whoever, some cool voice guy, you know, reading the Word. And so I will listen as I'm reading at the exact same time. So I have my Bible reading schedule. I read a certain amount of chapters every day, and then personal study, and I will listen as I read. And that helped me tremendously to focus in a little bit. Maybe some of you could use that this week even with your Bible reading. But it's, it's so distracting, right? It's so hard. There's so many things out there. And, uh, and we need to really listen. We need to prepare when it comes for worship. The, uh, the average Christian today does this. They say, Lord, I'll give you 60 seconds to speak to me. Go. Because <laughs> that's all the time we have or that's all the time that we actually give to the Lord. And so he tells us that we need to be swift to hear. And that's a, that's a positive thing. He says, listen, believers, be swift to hear. But then he kind of moves on to more of a negative side of things. He says, not only should you be swift to hear, but you should be slow to speak. Oh, man. I hate this one. <laughs> I do. This is difficult. It's difficult because if I look at my life, the source of my greatest trials and difficulties connect to this one right here. The opposite of this right here. Fast to speak. <laughs> that's really, if I look back and I look at, I look at uh, my conversations I recognize here that this is probably the greatest challenge even in my own life. And what he's doing here, he's not telling us not to speak, but what he's telling us is that you should think before you speak. It's interesting, the rabbis of the day had a saying, I thought this was really great. They said, men have two ears but one tongue. If they said something different, I'd be concerned, right? Okay, but this is what it says. This is what they said, that they should hear more than they speak. The ears are always open, ever ready to receive instruction. But the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and to keep it within proper bounds. I thought that was very profound. The rabbis of his day would say that. 
Most of the true uh, struggles that I've had in life and the interpersonal issues that I've dealt with have because I've been quick to speak and slow to listen. So many times in my life, I think things would have gone far differently if I just learned to think before I spoke. And and we're naturally inclined to this. I mean, we're naturally inclined to, to speak. We're naturally inclined to argue with people in our heads while they're speaking to us, right? I'm the only one, okay. Or at least later on when you're in the shower and you're like, I should have said that, you know? Okay, right. <laughs> but we are naturally inclined to that. It's part of our sinful nature. And we're inclined to, to be insensitive to others and to overspeak and to dominate situations. But being swift to hear and slow to speak really do go together in a spiritual sense as well. Because often when we hear the word of God, we're very quick to argue with God, aren't we? Oftentimes, even in a service like today, Many of you have experienced, maybe you're doing that right now, I don't know, but you're, you're arguing a little bit with the Lord in your heart, right? Now. You're responding back. You're like, oh, I don't know, that's not me today. You know, that's not, right? And, and we struggle with that. But he says, listen, when it comes to the word of God, you've got to be swift to hear it and you need to be slow to speak. Just, just step back for a little bit. But then he says something that seems a little bit out of place. He also says you need to be slow to wrath. What? To me, that seems a little out of place in the context of, you know, embedding the word of God in our lives. But He tells us why he included the subject of anger. Look at this in verse 20. He said, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. He says, you'd be slow to wrath, slow to anger. Why? Because the wrath, the anger, the intense burning anger of man will never work the righteousness. You'll never reveal the righteousness of God. Now, when it comes to anger, I don't think there's a more revealing emotion about the true condition of a person's soul than how anger reveals itself in their lives. Anger reveals so much about who we are. You ever find yourself just angry for no reason? <laughs> I'm frustrated right now, you know? I don't, I don't even know why. Like, not now, like not literally now. You know what I mean. But you, and, you, and you have seasons of life and it's just, man, everything is so irritating. And, and anyone who speaks, you're just like, you know? And, and, and then there's seasons where maybe it's not that way, but I'm, I'm just amazed at how as humans, anger is like a common thing that just constantly recurs in our lives. But what he's trying to get across to us here, and the point is very simple, is that anger for us will not produce righteousness. It will not. So to me, I look at it this way. No matter how much word you're bringing in, if you're not dealing with the root issues of anger in your life, it's for nothing. It's for nothing. Because it will not work the righteousness of God and will not produce righteousness of God in you. In fact, anger will lead you to moral corruption. That's why in verse number 21, he said, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. That's moral uh, sin. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. (laughs) Superfluity, okay, it means abundantness. Now, we all know what it's like to be naughty, right? You've seen a naughty, that is a naughty little boy, you know? I say that all the time. That's a naughty little kid. And it's someone who's just always, you know, just caught, that's what he's saying about us. <laughs> we need to lay aside that, that, that uh, whatever we're prone to, to go towards, whatever that sin we're prone towards. We need to lay aside those things and then receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. See, for the believer, when there's an unwillingness to listen, when uh, there's a sinful tongue, when there's unrighteous anger, Those are moral sins in our lives. And if we're slow to hear God's word and we're quick to speak and we're quick to anger, not only is a life of moral corruption going to be our current reality, but it will be our destiny as well. If you're unwilling to take care of those things in your life. 
And so if we're going to receive and if we're going to benefit from the word, he says here that you must lay apart, lay aside those things. That means a once and for all setting aside of the sins that come into your life and beset you and keep you from truly hearing the word of God. We must lay it apart and then we can receive the word with meekness and humility. I thought about this. If the word of God is not, elect, uh, is not active and alive to us, then there's probably some spiritual house cleaning that has to take place in your heart right now. So let's just sit here for just a minute and I, and I want to contemplate this idea. Because if the word of God is not alive to you, there's something, something wrong. If the Bible, when you read it, does not seem relevant to you. I've had people say that to me. This doesn't seem relevant to my life today. Okay, there's something going on in your heart. If you're like, oh, when I, when I read scripture, I'm not really excited to read it. It's just sort of a, a checkbox, right? I do my thing and pff, I'm a good Christian. I checked off a box, right? I read a certain amount of verses, whatever it is. If it's not a thrill to you, if it's not sweet to your soul, if it's not revealing to you its riches and teaching you, if you're at a place like that in your life, then what I would encourage you to do is to do what James encourages us with here and lay apart those things lay apart whatever it is that is hindering you from hearing the word of God whatever it is that is keeping you from receiving with meekness that's humility the word of God see the word of God literally is has the ability to save your soul from hell and it also has the ability to save you as a Christian from a life of emptiness and destruction that comes from an uncontrolled tongue and a life that is just angry and out of control so he tells us here at the beginning, he says, I want you to listen to the word, but I'm going to bring up a few thoughts here in order to make that possible for you. Be quick to listen, quick to focus in. And then there's a couple of things that you need to be aware of. You need to maybe remove out of your life because you're headed down a path. And I'm afraid that too many Christians today are on that path of destruction. You're on that path where the word of God has no meaning to you. It's just you're not really hearing it. And it's because there's sin maybe in your life. There's something that you keep going back to. And, it's a, and I know it's well described as superfluity of naughtiness and it's filthiness, but that's what it is. Don't make light of it. You're never going to draw closer to God. You're never going to truly receive the word with that humility and meekness if you have that sin in your life. And we must confess it and forsake it and move, and move forward for the Lord. And he says to us, you've got to listen to the word. But James is not just going to leave us there. He says next, you need to live out the word. You need to listen to the word but then you also need to live out the word. Now, verse number 22 is probably one of the most well-known verses in the book of James. And I want you to read it together with me, okay? We'll read verse number 22 together. Ready? Here we go. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. This is so key to being the salt and light that God wants us to be in this world right here. This is what it is. If we're to be the, the ones that bring flavor, we're to be the, be the ones that point others to Jesus Christ, then being a doer of the word is an imperative in each of our lives daily as we seek Jesus Christ. And uh, simply listening to, to the word, simply building up a vast library of Christian knowledge uh, of the word of God will bring no profit into your life unless you're willing to obey what it says. To accept God's word means that you are willing to do it. Now, this is where it gets really tough. Because as Christians, we love to hear the word of God. 
And, uh, and, and we know a lot of things about it, but we often are so weak at actually applying it. And James' meaning here is so simple. Just as if the person who has no interest in hearing the word of God is deceived, in the same way, a Christian who is content to hear the word and not do the word, you are also deceived as well. Now, I want to illustrate it in, in, in this way. So uh, I, I'm going to use this illustration that I think can help us to understand the idea here. So let's pretend that you all work for me. Sound good? It's my illustration, so I get to, you know, make it up, all right? So you guys are all my assistants to the regional managers today, all right? And uh, you guys all work for me in some way. And, uh, man, our company is doing great. I mean, it's really doing well. Uh, we're all over Vancouver, and uh, we've actually spread over into Alberta. Uh, we're building some places that Brother Dave can manage for us over there in Sherwood Park by Edmonton. And, uh, I mean, things are just going really, really great. It's great. Met Christmas bonuses were fantastic, weren't they? Come on, you got to help me out here. We're going to make this work, all right? <laughs> Man, that bonus was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm so happy that you work here. Um, but uh, we really need to expand overseas if we're going to take this to the next level. And so uh, my, my family and I, we're going to be moving over to Europe. Uh, you know, just pick a country. We're going to go over there, and we're going to establish some uh, offices over in Europe. And uh, we're just going to see this company take it to the next level. I promise you, you're all going to benefit from it, okay? But while I'm gone, while I'm gone in Europe and we're building this company, uh, Christian is going to be the guy in charge. Is that okay? Or Jonah, actually. Sorry, Christian. You just lost that. All right, Jonah, come up here. So Jonah, Jonah's in charge. He is, he is the regional manager. Come up here, Jonah. And you are all the assistants to the regional manager. All right. And so here's Jonah, and he's, uh, he's, he's, you're, you're the man, all right? Okay. So Jonah, like I said, I'm going to Europe. I'm going to be on for six or eight months. Now, I know it's kind of old school, just a little old school, but I'm going to send you one letter per week um, that is going to give you everything you need to run the company so that we succeed, okay? And I know it's a little old school, but I'm going to make sure they're couriered so I know if you sign for it and I know that you're receiving the letter. And so, uh, so I'm going to do that. So my family and I, we move to Europe. And it's really great. And my kids get an accent and, and um, we just enjoy our time there. We, we get the, uh, the company is grounded and, and we've got the offices are open. This is fun. And the office is open and, and we're starting to make a little bit of money, euros now this time. And so that's good. Um, and uh, and so, uh, so now it's time for me to come home though. Now, I'm the owner of the company. You all work for me. Well, I, oh, you know, this is a great place. And, uh, and now I'm gonna, it's time for me to return home. Well, as I come home to the home office down over here on Hastings Street, <laughs> uh, as I got home, I noticed that and the building kind of looks a little shabby. I've only been gone six months, but, hey, this is East Van. We got to power wash a lot, right? <laughs> and uh, I know, that was funny. And I noticed... Uh, and I noticed the buildings, you know, got some stains on it. People throwing their coffees on it, you know, as happens. And maybe broke a few windows. And uh, there's, like, grass growing out of the concrete. And uh, kind of, I mean, it concerns me, obviously. This is my, I built this company, you know, from ground up. And now all of these employees. Um, and now I go into the receptionist's office. And there's my receptionist, you know, um, Christian. <laughs> he's a good receptionist, you know. And he's, and he's just sort of sitting there picking his teeth and, listening to music, kind of singing, got his head in the clouds, you know, and what, you know, I'm like, you know, where's, where's Jonah? (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. So I'm like, well, where's Jonah? Where, where's my, you know, where's my regional manager? Where's my guy who's running the thing? And, and from the back, somebody yells, I think he's back over there. So I go into the back and I find Jonah in his office with our sales manager and they're playing cards. Yeah. They're playing cards. And obviously, you understand, like, I'm not going to be really happy about this, right? I mean, come on. This is my company, right? 
My regional manager is playing cards with my head of sales. Why aren't they making sales, right? I've just been in Europe for six months. My receptionist is just hanging out in the front. The place looks a mess. There's garbage in the garbage cans. And this is not the way that I want to do business. So I say, Jonah, come on over into my office. So we go to my office, which I then discover has been turned into a Netflix den <laughs> at the <laughs> office. They had moved my desk, and there's a huge TV in there, and there was a few employees watching, binge-watching Netflix. I had to get out and get back to work. The boss is back. And, and I say to Jonah, I say, Jonah, didn't you get the letters that I wrote you? I'm going to play Jonah because he doesn't know what's happening. So, um, and Jonah says, well, of course we got your letters, boss. Of course we got your letters. In fact, what we've done is every Friday in the afternoon from 3.30 to 4.30, we get all the employees together and we read your letters together and we study them out. In fact, some of the employees, some of you guys have enjoyed the letters that I wrote from Europe so much that you took it upon yourself to memorize sentences and even paragraphs of it. And there's one employee, one employee, Janice Cruz. Have you heard about her? She's in marketing. She memorized week seven's letter in its entirety. If you can believe it, she memorized it. And oh yeah, we've, and boss, we've been reading those letters, we've been studying them, which of course I would then reply to my regional manager, well, what have you done about the letters that I gave to you? To which he would reply, well, do, well, we've done nothing about them. Now, in the corporate world, that is career suicide, isn't it? <laughs> When you choose to just every email from your boss, trash, right? Every email, trash, okay? And how, yeah, maybe archive. <laughs> but, but that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But okay, we're talking spiritually. I think you already know where I'm going with this. But how often do we, how ridiculous is it that we as Christians who have a letter given to us from God with instructions for life, with the way that we should operate our families and, and teach others and the way that we should grow and deal with the trials that we face. How often do we take this letter from God and we say, oh yeah, it's over there. Oh yeah, I read it. I read it. But we did absolutely nothing about it. That is what James is trying to get across to us. Thank you, Joan. You can sit down. You're fired. All right. <laughs> right? Isn't that what we do? And, and we take the word of God and we take this truth and we just say, well, I read it, but I'm not really going to do anything about it. That kind of behavior, I'm not trying to be mean today, is absurd. Absolutely absurd as Christians. At the very least, we are self-deceived. <laughs> At the very least. But that is why he says to us, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. What he's saying is if you're going to profit from the word of God, then you must accept it and you must do it. Now to enforce it, he gives us two illustrations here in the rest of the passage. He gives us the illustration of comparing the word of God to a mirror. So look at verse uh, number 23. He says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth the manner of man he was. Now, this is the picture of a Christian who approaches the word of God in a casual way, if you want to put it that. Now, I was going to bring a mirror for an illustration today, but I forgot. Look at this. I mean, come on. We got lots of mirrors, okay? We have tons of mirrors here. And so what he's saying is that to the person, to the one who hears but doesn't do it, it's like a person who you're getting ready for the day, you're going out, but it's kind of busy, you're rushing. So all you do is you kind of 
All right, you kind of look in the mirror and you go. Now, in my life, whenever I've done that, it's always been a problem. <laughs> there's always that whitehead, right? You know, like, yes, adults at 36, I get whiteheads. And, you know, there's this little thing over here. And then my wife is like, by the way, you know, it's like I've been out all day long, right? Uh, or there's that, that bit of hair that's sticking up, you know, in the back or, or some sort of, uh, you know, hair growth that I wasn't expecting, you know, and coming out of me. And, and I, if I had looked a little bit closer, I would have recognized it, right? Now, what he's saying here is that as Christians, that's how often we are, though. We look at the Word of God, which is a mirror, which reveals to us who we are, and we read it, and we see that we're a sinner, and we see that we need to be redeemed, and we see uh, how we're struggling, and we see um, all of these pictures of people that we can relate to who are going through the same sins and the same problems that we are, and we see it, and we go, I get it, I get it, I relate, but then we walk away from it, and we forget, we forget what was revealed to us. You see that there in the verse? He says, it's like you look at it, you see who you are. Now, it's interesting, the word beholding there means to actually observe. It means to understand. So it's the idea of you see the word of God, you understand what it's trying to say. It reveals something to it, and you're like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. There's a level of understanding, but the tragedy is, is that then you walk away and you forget all about it. Now, that's been my story in life, many times. I've been in my devotional life, I've been in a sermon, and God has spoken to me, and I, and I see it, and I realize it. But when it's over, I walk away, and I forget what manner of man I was. I forget what God had revealed to me. See, that, that is not how we should approach the word of God. If we're going to be a doer of the word, a true doer of the word is not going to see it and be like, all right, I get it, and then forgetting who we are. But in verse number 25, he tells us how it should be. He said, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. That's a really great way to describe the word of God. Underline that if you, if you can. We're going to talk about it in just a second. He said, but whoso, this is the right example here. Whoso looketh, it's different than beholdeth, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, that's a key word, continue, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man, say it with me, shall be blessed in his deed. Whoso looketh. Now that word looketh there is very interesting. It's the idea of stooping down to inspect someone. Now in scripture, it's used in Luke chapter number 20 and uh, uh, verse number five, where John the apostle, remember when he got there to the empty tomb? It says that he stooped down and he looked in, he beheld, he focused on, he studied it out, he gazed. I mean, that's pretty, pretty impressive, right? That's pretty strong word there. And that's the idea is that we stoop down to examine the word of God. That it's not just a, a, a quick look and move on. We're focused in. We're inspecting it curiously. Our head it actually has the meaning of our heads being bowed. So it's more than just a casual glance. It is seeing an object or seeing the word in this case more clearly than ever before. It is not something that is occasional, but it is habitual for the Christian. It's not something that occasionally I find myself, no, habitually, this is how we should be looking at the word of God. In a state of, and I, to me, of course, whenever you see the idea of being bowed, it's talking about humility as well. Remember meekness, uh, it received with meekness the word, right? Humility. And so that's what he's saying here is that we need to lean into it. We need to um, focus in and then notice how it says in the verse here, and then continueth therein. So you're looking at the word, and then you're continuing in that idea of studying it out, of leaning in and allowing it to teach you. You say, well, what's the purpose of all of this? Well, the purpose of it is to 
master the word of God in such a way. Now, you're never going to master the word of God, but at least master this aspect of being able to put it into practice. Being able to put it into practice. Now, like I mentioned here, he called it the perfect law of liberty. Now, we often don't view laws as liberty, do we? We see them as restraint, right? And by the way, Satan does a great job of trying to convince you that sin is liberty and God's law is restraint, doesn't he? He does a great job, but the the fact is that the opposite is true. Following the law of God, following the word of God is the greatest liberty that you can ever find as a Christian. The greatest thing. Because within the word of God is what gives us uh, everything we need for a full and victorious life. Because true liberty is found in Christ. If you remember in John chapter 8, Jesus said this to those Jews which believed on him. If ye continue in my word, then are, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you, what? Free. See, freedom is found in the true pursuit of the word of God. And not only will you find freedom, but like he said there at the end of the verse, you will also be blessed in your deed. Now, we often think of blessing as being happy, right? Woohoo! I'm blessed, right? Uh, in this context, the word blessed means fulfilled, completely and totally fulfilled. How many of you want to be fulfilled in life? <laughs> hey, how many of you know people who are chasing fulfillment in life, but they're looking for it in all the wrong places? And dates and everything else. <laughs> they're looking in the wrong places, right? And our world is full of people seeking fulfillment in, a, in, in, in a, at whatever it may be, whether it's a substance that they're abusing in order to find and fill that void in their heart, whether it's a cause that they want to rally for and stand. Uh, I was watching a little documentary, just 10 minutes of it yesterday, about this group of people that found this cause. Uh, and, and to me, I'm like, this is kind of ridiculous, but they're putting their whole life into it. They're like, I feel so fulfilled in this. And as Christians, our fulfillment is not found in our careers or pleasures or, or, or the things of this world. It's not in substances, but fulfillment can be found in the word of God. Now, that should not be a surprise to you, okay? It should not be a surprise to you. Here's why. You are created by God, right? You are created and made for God, right? We know that through Scripture, created by and created for God. So doesn't it make sense that you will find fulfillment in God, (laughs) your creator? But yet we seek for it in so many different places. We seek for it in so many, we try to create fulfillment when true fulfillment is found in actually following and doing the word of God. That's what he's trying to get across to us. And so if you want to be blessed, if you want to be the kind of person who experiences God at work in your life in ways that you never thought possible, I want to challenge you today, put James to the test. Put him to the test. Take God at his word. And when God says be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only, you will be blessed as you pursue it, as you learn to study it and allow it to be engrafted into your life. I promise you, if you would test God in that, he will give you more fulfillment than you ever thought possible. You'll experience life uh, uh, the best possible way, as John 10, 10 talks about. And, and really understanding what it means to be complete and to be whole in Jesus Christ. But too many people learn about it, they read about it, they listen to it, and they just don't do it. Insert Nike joke, right? Just do it. <laughs> just, it's copyrighted, sorry. Uh, take that out of the podcast, all right? I don't want to have to pay uh, rights on that. But that's what he's trying to say to us. Be a doer of the word. And I challenge you, put him to the test. Put him to the test. 
Live according to the word of God and see if James is a liar. For 2,000 years, people who have actually followed this have never complained. (laughs) In my life, the times that I've been the closest to God is when I've simply just done his word. When he speaks to me, I do it. So let me ask you today, what has God been speaking to you about that you're just not doing? I don't, know what, I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what you're dealing with. But what has God been speaking to you about that you're not doing? Don't be like that man who beholds his face in a, natural, in a glass, natural face in a glass, and then walks away and forgets about it. If God is speaking to you about something, if there's a, 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 a sin in your life that you need to get rid of that God has spoken to you about, just do it. <laughs> if there's a relationship that needs mending, if there's forgiveness that needs to be given, if there's anger that needs to be worked on, just do it. Just obey the Lord. And when God speaks to you in your time of personal devotion and you seek after him, just say, God, I'm I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to do it. Guess what? You will be blessed for it. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy all the time, right? You know that. But I will tell you this, you'll be fulfilled even in the hard times. You'll be fulfilled in those challenges, in those discouragements. You'll be fulfilled because you're doing what the word of God says. We hope today's message was an encouragement in your relationship with Christ. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as you pursue Him.